forces are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks for joining us once again here on Winning Ponies. Hope to bring you another good and interesting show, news around the world. And two guests, both of them have been on before, but it's been a while since I've had them on, uh, starting with one of the more entertaining, upbeat, uh, at talented uh, writers uh, that's, that's out there, uh, the one, the only Lenny Shulman. And uh, Lenny Shulman is uh, now a uh, senior correspondent for the Blood Horse. Uh, why did he have the name changed of his job description? Well, Lenny's kind of reeling it back in. He's not going to be doing the day-to-day reporting, but luckily he's still going to be on the staff and he's still going to be uh, kind of picking the, the highlighted stories that, that he wants to feature. That's not to say he won't get an assignment now and then around the Triple Crown, something he's very familiar with because, don't forget, he is also the author of the recently released Justify 111 Days to Triple Crown Glory. So we're going to talk a little bit about his book. I know that uh, Lenny made a uh, speaking appearance at the Kentucky Horse Park today, so uh, we'll we'll see how that went. And then uh, following him, we're going to have Andrew Champagne. Well, it's been a while since we had Andrew on. I usually bring him in around the uh, the Saratoga meet. He's very familiar with it. And uh, he uh, wrote for the Saratogian, the racing section of the Pink Sheet. And that is, if you read that, that is Andrew Champagne uh, talking to you. Uh, he's gone from coast to coast, originally from Kingston, New York. He now lives in Concord, California. So we'll ask him about that. Of course, uh, very good resume. Uh, he's worked for uh, the Daily Racing Forum, TVG, HRTV, and has his own website, andrewchampagne.com. And uh, I know he was producing videos for the Daily Racing Forum. And uh, so we'll kind of catch up with Andrew Champagne and see exactly what he's been doing. Well, uh, Racing World was a bit shocked on a couple levels this past week. One, I was really shocked to uh, pull down some publications and see that XY Jet is dead at the age of eight. Uh, you think about his biggest race ever, it had to be the 219 Dubai Golden Shaheen a grade one. Uh, sad to say, he just died yesterday of a heart attack after just a routine racetrack gallop. And uh, again, he was eight years old and uh, very tough uh, on trainer Jorge Navarro, uh, who felt that the horse was uh, part of his family. Uh, talk about kind of a rags to riches, but they were expensive rags. Uh, he was a $56,000 auction purchase, and he racked up more than $3 million in earnings, closing out his career with winning 12 of 26 starts. His other big races, 
Included two editions of the Grade 3 Mr. Prospector, uh, the Gulfstream Park Sprint, and the 2018 Mile Sprint. And he ran second in 2016 and 2018 in uh, the Golden Cheyenne renewals before finally getting his win last year. And, uh, you know, he, he's been working well. He was just a surprise to everybody. So uh, feelings go out to Jorge Navarro. And I hope that uh, he just remembers the good times. So uh, right now, uh, we're going to be uh, talking about the Eclipse Awards coming up on us. They'll be announced January 23rd. And it kind of looks like uh, the favorite for Horse of the Year uh, would be Bricks and Mortar. I mean, let's face it, folks. He went six for six last year. He did race exclusively on the turf. Uh, other top contenders against him would be uh, Maximum Security, who won three grade one stakes, including the Cigar Mile, over older horses towards the end of the season. And let's not forget Matoli. Gosh, I love that horse. Just excelled as a dirt sprinter from six furlongs to a mile. And uh, not only are they up for Horse of the Year, but they're up for other awards. Again, January 23rd, it's the evening, uh, down in Florida for the Eclipse Awards. So uh, we're going to also look at uh, all of the divisions. Let's take a quick review of who's up there. These are in alphabetical order. I'm not playing favorites. Uh, Horse of the Years, I just stated, Bricks and Mortar, Maximum Security, and Matoli. The two-year-old boys, Maxfield, Storm the Court and Structor. Two-year-old fillies, Bast, we just had a big win a week ago. Uh, British Idiom and Sharing. Three-year-old boys, Code of Honor, Maximum Security. And Omaha Beach, who's getting ready for the Pegasus, though he had a little hitch in his training this week. Three-year-old Philly. I think this goes to Kofevi. God, she was awesome. Uh, Garana just came out running. The Saragenti Empress, uh, winner of the Kentucky Oaks. Now, the older boys, uh, looks like it's coming down to McKinsey, Matoli, and Vino Rosso. Could make a case for all of them, but I think Matoli's going to get the edge. Dirt female. Blue Prize, Elate, and Midnight Bizu. Okay, the top boy sprinter, Imperial Hint, Matoli, and World of Trouble. In the girls' division, Belvoir Bay, Come Dancing, and Kofevi. Uh, among the boys for turf horse, Bricks and Mortar. More Forza and World of Trouble are in there, but I think they got their work cut out for them. Female turf horse, love this horse, Got Stormy. Sister Charlie and Uni. I don't know much about the steeplechase horses. I got to get one of the Clancy brothers on here, but it's Brain Power, Scorpion Answer, and Winston C. Owners Gary Barber, Peter Brandt, and Clarovich Stables. Uh, the Breeder Calumet Farm, they're back on top. Wow, I think it's been since 1961 uh, that they were leading breeder in North America. And then you've got Godolphin and Dr. George Strawbridge are in that one. Trainer, should be a good one. Steve Asmussen, Chad Brown, and Brad Cox. Jockeys, Javier Castellano, Irad Ortiz Jr., and his brother, Jose Ortiz. Apprentice jockeys, Julio Carrera, Angel Diaz, and Kazushuti Kimura. So uh, we uh, that's going to be, again, the Eclipse Awards uh Coming up here uh, later in the month, we'll have more news as we get closer to that. 
All right, I said uh, Omaha Beach. Boy, what an interesting season he's had. Not a happy one, though, for his connections. Uh, looks like he's going to return to training. I think he did a little light jog today. Uh, but uh, he missed his first scheduled work at Gulfstream Park to address a minor foot issue. Not a good time to get that before you're making your swan song, where he'll be whisked off to Spendthrift Farm. And uh, I believe he starts out at $40,000 stud fee. And uh, so he uh, was looking for the three million turf cup but uh he said he had richard mandela said he had a hot foot with a bruise in it so they took the shoe off poulticed it and overnight they're gonna put the shoes back on him today or the next day and he'll just miss a day or two but he mandela doesn't think it's going to be a, a big deal so uh hopefully uh, he'll put forth his best effort he has sure had an interesting year again this will be the last race of his career and speaking of popular horses bricks and mortar won the vox populi award uh which is uh the award that's presented uh, out at Santa Anita Park, but it was created by Penny Shenry, uh, kind of for the the horse that uh, you know has kind of drawn the attention of people, put in an exciting race meet, and uh, people could really uh, get behind this horse. He's a popular horse, ergo the Vox Populi Award. Uh, so uh, from there some bad news it was just uh, oh a week or so ago that i gave you the news about uh the horses uh, being slaughtered in south america well now we've got trouble in libya where stallions and mares were stolen in an attack on al shab stud and uh it, it looks like they these, unlike the horses in South America, were not slaughtered, I don't believe. But uh, they broke in at night, and they took six in-full mares and six stallions. And uh, one of the stallions that you may have heard of is Eavesdropper. He was a Kentucky-bred stakes-winning son of King Mambo, half-brother to AP Indian Summer Squall. He was one of the ones that was stolen. Uh, the other ones were Australian-bred uh, Churchill Downs. That was the name of the horse. He won the Golden Slipper. Brute Force, who was the top sire in Libya, and Backdraft. So uh, let's hope uh, if there's a ransom or if they just get returned or they get found, I pray that that happens. All right, you chromies out there, California chrome is safely in Japan right now. And uh, Alan Sherman, the son an assistant to Art Sherman made the flight with him, and it's going to stay over there for a while and help him uh, kind of settle in. Of course, uh, California Chrome, the flashy uh, chestnut, uh, won more than $14.7 million in earnings uh, during his extended racing career. Uh, I don't have to run it down for you, but we all remember when he won the Kentucky Derby. The Preakness Stakes missed in the Belmont, and then later that season captured the Grade 1 Hollywood Derby. Uh, and at 5, he took on the Dubai World Cup and defeated Beholder to win the $1 million TVG Pacific Classic by five links. Uh, retired with a record of 16 wins, four seconds 
one third and 27 starts and won four Eclipse Awards during his racing career. He will be missed, but uh, Japan will be very happy. Well, uh, kind of alluded to it earlier that Calumet Farm has returned as the leading breeder of Money One, uh, breaking a 57-year drought. Uh, so it's been, again, since 1961. And so they've also, you know, been named finalists for the Eclipse Award, uh, where I mentioned it earlier. <clears throat> Zulu Alpha led uh, the uh, the outfit. Uh, but just uh, congratulations to Calumet. I still love driving by the farm every time we, uh, we go to Keeneland. There they are with the uh, devil's red trim on the white barns. Absolutely uh, beautiful. The farm, of course, founded back in 1924. And uh, they had Whirl Away and Citation in their heyday. So uh, good to see Calumet Farm uh, back on top. Uh, Well, it looks like uh, Drayden Van Dyke winning not one but two graded stakes races was named Foundation Detox Jockey of the Week in North America. Well, that's a look at the uh, at the national news. Like I told you at the top of the show, our first guest is guest is going to be author and humorist, I believe, uh, Lenny Shulman. And uh, like I said, he's going to be kind of moving into a new role with the Blood Horse. Going to talk to him about that. Uh, I know he was in, already in demand for public speaking, of which he attended today at the Kentucky Horse Park. And, of course, he's uh, fresh off uh, another book that he has penned. This one uh, very close to the people listening to this show because it is about America's most recent Triple Crown winner, Justify, and uh, the uh, if I can get this right so I don't screw anything up, um, 111 Days to Triple Crown Glory, and uh, Lenny will tell us how things are going with the book and the response he's getting, and uh, uh, just a, a, an excellent read for anybody out there. We'll also tell you how to get the book. So with no further ado, we're going to take our first break, and when we come back, we're going to be with the man, Lenny Shulman. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john Inglehart, racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, one of my favorite people in racing, Lenny Shulman, just another great graduate of Syracuse University. If it comes down to a degree in communications, that's the school you go to. Lenny's been everywhere, uh, younger years in New York, then he spent time out in California. Uh, I always like to... uh, you know, uh, talk uh, you know a little about about his uh, days with Andrew Dice Clay, but he was also a TV writer for nine years with a children's show, Kids Incorporated. But I believe he won a Grammy for that. Lenny Showman, welcome back. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing uh, good. <laughs> I, I'm doing good. I heard they flew you into the Kentucky Horse Park today for uh, a, a uh, speech. <laughs> yeah. They- <laughs> they let me drive my car over there. Actually, I have to correct you because I have no musical talent at all. It, it wasn't a Grammy. It was, it was, it was an Emmy. So Emmy. I don't want anybody asking me to to, to sing for them. So uh, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, my notes are all over the place. But either way, it's about as big as a award you can get. You know, Go, going from a children's show uh, to writing with Andrew Dice Clay, you certainly have transversed the. Uh, uh, the, the talent uh, curve uh, that, that uh, not many people are blessed with, Lenny. Well, what what's your what's your oh, when looking back, you know, at, at the different things you've done. What, what's like the favorite thing that you've done in your career? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I'm going to say the most fun I've had in my life was the, uh, the three years I spent in, in Tucson, Arizona, which was. Uh, the late 70s, after my first newspaper job in upstate New York and before moving out to Los Angeles, I moved to Tucson because I knew some friends there and had spent some time there. And I loved it. I just loved the area. And uh, with a very few other people, I, I ended up starting a weekly newspaper, uh, which we carried forth for, for nearly three years. And it was it was such a labor of love. It was only a half dozen people working on it total, including ad salespeople. Uh, and um, we did everything, swept the floors, delivered the newspaper every week. Uh, and, and it was just so much fun to be that part of the community, uh, that much a part of the community. We're in the music scene and the theater scene and, you know, everything else was going. They used to shoot movies out at Old Tucson, you know, on the set there. Oh, uh, yeah. So we got to end it. Yeah, we got to interview people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who came to town, and Harrison Ford before anybody knew who Harrison Ford was. Um, and, and so that that period of time running that newspaper and, and writing for it, editing it, uh, and just being out on the town every night doing something or other, that, that was really the most fun I've probably ever had. That's great. Well, uh it- 
since I've known you, it looks like you're having fun wherever you are. Uh, yet it's easy to find you. You just listen for your laugh and follow the trail. And uh, there, there's <laughs> Lenny. So you, you do, you know. And, I, and I'm not just tooting your horn, Lenny. I we talked about it off the air briefly that. Uh, the sport needs more humorists. I, I think too many of us take ourselves too seriously in this game. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think Indy and Charlie does, does a tremendous job with what he does and, uh, you know, is fearless about it, which, you, you know, you, you can, when you're working for, for somebody else, for another boss and another entity, your, your hands are kind of tied as to how, how far you can push the envelope and, you know, a lot of people have thin skin, and you really can't push the envelope very far as as far as uh, you know when you're working for somebody else. So, so somebody like Indy and Charlie is able to do what he does. I, I think is great. And you you had mentioned off the air uh, the video I had done uh, for a while on Bloodhorse.com, Lenny's place, and yes, you know that 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 had some sharp humor to it, and and some critiques of some people, and it. Uh, it was a little too sharp for the powers that be, so they were they weren't interested in continuing that. But uh, you know, I guess in this world of podcasts today, uh, everybody can be a, a free agent, and uh, you know that might be something to look into going forward. Well, uh, I'll certainly support you any way I can. You need me to help look for sponsors or something. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll do what I can. Uh, because it was just, it was great. And I didn't think it was that dicey. It was just you and whoever your guest was. You'd always get them to loosen up, too. And I like that. And I think that's kind of a big part of your personality, Lenny, is you do soften people up during an interview. Yeah, I think, well, I was very, uh, uh, I felt very lucky to have uh, my colleague, Evan Hammonds, write a really nice editorial about me uh, last week because I'm leaving full-time work at the Blood Horse. And, he made that point about, you know, being an interviewer. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, so many people in this business are really good people, you know. And, and uh, you, you want, as an interviewer, you, you want to make them be themselves and put them at ease and, and relax and just have a conversation with them rather than, you know, kind of a reporter subject kind of relationship, which, you know, it's okay, but it doesn't really get you through those layers and, and to who the people really are. So, um, yeah, that, that's something that's, that's important. And the people who, who will let you get inside them, you know, and reveal themselves, those, you know, I think that that's what makes for the best stories. And, you know, certainly some of the ones I remember, you know, I can remember sitting there in amazement that the people were telling me the things that they were actually telling me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's been quite interesting that way. Well, you, uh, the, the ink's not even wet on your, uh, the, the ink is still wet, I should say, uh, on your interview with, uh, with Ken Ramsey. Uh, I, I ate it today while I was ha- having lunch, and I know he wasn't, you didn't exactly have to take a crowbar to pry information out of him, did you? Yeah, Ken, Ken's what we call a one-question interview uh, most of the time. But, but even at that, you know, with somebody who does enjoy talking, which is great, you, you, you got to kind of point them in the right direction every few minutes so it doesn't it doesn't get too far afield, you know. So so you gently kind of aim them in the direction you you want to go. Ken's just been 
so great through the years and always uh, there and, and able and willing to talk. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing you dream of as far as, you know, being somebody who writes stories because he's a, he's a great story and, and his enthusiasm. You know, people, people kind of forget, you know, his enthusiasm for the game is just remarkable and uh you know that that comes across in so many ways so that you know that that makes your job easy when you have somebody who who's so quotable and can throw a throw an old eastern kentucky expression out there you know yeah he was telling me about uh, when he was a kid and somebody complimented him on something and his father said to him now now listen don't 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 get trying to go above your raisin you know, in other words, you know, this this is your station in life. Don't, don't try to be what you are. And, and Ken said, "Well, that's exactly what I'm trying to do: is get beyond my raisin." You know? Right. So, so that was, uh, you know, that's great when people can storytell like that. It certainly makes your job easy. Absolutely. I, I did get an opportunity to, to go out with him and a group of people uh, up in the Cleveland area. He had a horse in the Ohio Derby, and you know. You talk about a guy that could carry a conversation. We just sat back and listened to him. I think he had just come off a trip to England and by accident uh-huh. got introduced to the Queen. He goes, What's a hillbilly from Eastern Kentucky doing hanging out with the Queen of England? You know, <laughs> only he could say it the right way. But, yeah. uh, you know, he just kind of. I think he still revels a little bit in his upcoming, the fact that, you know, the way he was brought up and where he was brought up. I know that neck of the woods um, that he's been as successful as he is. And it sounds like he's reloading, you know, Uh, the guy was always on top of the breeders category. I guess I, when something doesn't happen, you don't notice it, but I, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, he didn't have as many winners last year as he did in the years past, but he's kind of changing his philosophy and the way he's doing that. You pointed that, that out well, uh, in your article, uh, speaking yeah, of things. You do, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's more, more a quality than quantity thing. Hey, and he really, it's funny. You brought the queen up because really one of his big goals is, is to win a race at Royal Ascot. He's really kind of pointing toward that. So uh, he apparently uh, wants to meet her again. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and it was interesting on, on how you pointed out uh, or let him point out the steps he's taking, that he's not just going in this haphazardly and buying half a million dollar horses, that, he, you know, he's he's breeding a different type of horse. He's giving them to a trainer we know can win at Ascot in Wesley Ward. And so he does have a yeah. plan of action. He's scaling back his horses. But, hey, I, I didn't realize until I read your story that he's 84, yeah, yeah, and he was up to you know seven hundred and fifty horses or something like that, which is impossible to to manage. But uh, yeah, I think the uh, the stallion deal he made for Kitten's Joy a couple of years ago when he sold half the horse to to Hillendale and kind of let John Sakura manage the horse going forward, and uh, that that's opened up a lot of avenues for Kitten's Joy as a stallion, but it's also kind of let Ken step back and, uh, you know, not breed as much to, to that stallion, maybe try to concentrate on some dirt horses and, uh, you know, putting some quality out there with some dirt horses. And so, yeah, I think all of that plays into it. Ken Joy continues to be a, a huge success uh, at stud and uh, leads the turf size list again last year. And so, uh, yeah, Ken's got half of him and, uh, you know, that's, that's still a, a moneymaker for everybody involved. Uh, speaking of moneymakers, how's uh, 
justify 111 days of the Triple Crown glory, your recent book doing? Yes, I, th- I think it's doing good. All, all of the notices uh, that, that I've done have been great. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to get out there and do some do some things around town. We had a great... Uh, Great speech at the uh, uh, at the Keeneland Library uh, with it, and just sold a bunch of copies there, and did a nice signing over the summer at Saratoga, and then gave a little speech at the Horse Park earlier today uh, that included some anecdotes uh, from the book, and uh, you know that that was great. Had a really good time at the Horse Park with the folks over there today. It's such a a great facility, and I got taken on a tour. I'd never really walked through uh, the oh. International Museum when I was there. I've always been to the you know the Hall of Champions, see the horses, but right. but the uh, just the the Calumet trophies and the uh, the presentation of uh, our friend Ted Bassett, who's got a whole exhibit there, and the Secretariat and Seattle Slough and a firm exhibit. It, it is just spectacular. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell anybody if they plan on going to Kentucky Horse Parks uh, first, it's uh, next to nothing to get in. And second, you better plan on spending an entire day. This isn't something yeah. you stop by and peek at a couple horses in the paddock and move on. Uh, they've got a great show. The Parade of Breeds is fantastic, where the riders all kind of dress in the um, genre of the horse they have, whether it be an Arabian or an American Quarter Horse or a carriage horse it's really quite a show and then you know you had great horses like cigar and john henry and uh the the list goes on you never know who's going to be the the next stable funny side i believe uh yeah funny side is there now and actually the the the, uh crux of my speech was uh was about a day in 1996 where me and a friend uh went there to visit forgo and uh, how instrumental that ended up being uh, in my desire to kind of come to this area and get into the horse racing industry. It was uh, one of the most memorable and inspirational days I've had in my life, being able to spend time with that horse. And the friend I was with was here uh, uh, from New York and had seen Forgo so many times race at Belmont in the 70s. And uh it was a spectacular day, and I, I kind of told that story today. I really wanted to do that since it was at the horse park, and uh, it, it was a day that uh, very much shaped uh, you know the pattern of, uh, of my life. So yeah, it was cool. Well, you could probably correct me on the details of this, uh, but I believe it was a day where forego packing about a hundred and thirty six pounds got up to to beat i want to say foolish pleasure i always get him an honest pleasure yeah. mixed up it might have been the marlboro uh it was a big it was race the marlboro cup yes <laughs> it was the marlboro cup and that's that's actually the the race they used to show when they would you know bring him out and display him in the hall of champions you know when they had this with the spectators sit around there and they have some video screens around that's the race that they would always show because he was impossibly beaten at the head of the stretch uh on a track that he hated uh, as far as uh, the mold. And, uh, and, you know, he was basically running on one good leg at that point. And uh, he, he got up, you know, came down the stretch and got up at the wires. Just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a goosebump race every time you see it. 
One of my favorite racing stories, actually two of my favorite racing stories come out of that race. Number one, it was the day of my brother Bob's wedding, and he reached into his coat pocket and handed me a bunch of envelopes that people had given him. And he says, I don't know what's in there, but bet it on four go. So I went downstairs. It was an OTB parlor in the place they were at and pulled out, I don't know, 200 bucks or something. I just kept opening the envelopes and put it on four go for my brother. But uh, the, but, but the, uh, the other story is one of my favorite Bill Shoemaker stories stories is somebody interviewed him may have been after that race but as you know how much weight forgo used to pack and uh they interviewed bill shoemaker and they said bill what's the hardest part about riding forgo and he gave it a second's thought and he said taking off that saddle (laughs) because you know shoemaker only weighed 98 pounds and he's taking a 38 pound saddle off (laughs) yes it was great. I'll never forget that. It was classic. Well, uh, uh, let's... He, 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 yeah, just, just one more quick thing. People forget, but in, in, 19, in 1974, I believe it was, he, he not only won the Eclipse Award for champion Alder Horse, but he, he was also the champion sprinter in the same year, which shows you how, how versatile he was and, and, and what a special horse he was. He, he just could do everything. Yeah, he was fantastic. I went to go see him when he was first retired, just in a small farm uh, down there in Kentucky. And uh, boy, he was a big old boy. I could tell you that. Uh, yeah. Love for go and, and see that, and that's why I love you, Lenny. Is uh, you 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 remember those great times? You know, we I guess we all feel like the best era of whatever we do is the era we grew up in. But man, the racing days back in, in, in the seventies and early eighties. I mean, they were just fantastic with the heroes we had. Of course, that's when we had the slew of triple crown winners leading back to american pharaoh and justify thank god they won the triple crown you were getting all these people that wanted to change the conditions of the races and blah 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 i'm glad that that's over well lenny real quick i've got to wrap this my next guest is on hold but uh, as a senior correspondent i mean you get discounts on your haircut at uh, great clips <laughs> or <laughs> Yeah, I get two dollars off on my subscription to the county newspaper here. That's the uh, the first thing. That's the first benefit. But uh, yeah, it's nice. it, it was a nice term to throw senior in there, you know, just in case anybody was wondering how how friggin' old you you were. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, it, it's going to be good. I'm going to continue writing uh, for the Blood Horse on a freelance basis and uh, on a steady basis. So that's good and. Uh, you know, Keeneland Magazine, some other things, and have some book proposals in the works. So uh, it's all good. I've just kind of given up going into the office, uh, you know, five times a week and cut back from that a little bit at this point. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, don't set the alarm clock quite as frequently. So it's all good. There you go, man. Nothing better. I trust you'll still be staying in the Lexington area. Yeah, yeah, I have no plans to, uh, to to take off out of here. I really love my place here. I have a little farm uh, about 20 minutes outside of Lexington, and I uh, really love it. And, uh, and I do have a place up in Saratoga, so hopefully I'll be getting up to there a little bit more frequently than, than in the past. But, uh, yeah, those are two places I really uh, enjoy an awful lot of. So, yeah, I'm pretty content. All right. Well, Lenny, thanks so much for spending time with us. We'll be back in touch. I look forward to the spring meet in Keeneland when I can follow your laugh down some hallway and finally find you at the end of it. Thanks, John.
All right. We've been talking with Lenny Shulman, a uh, senior writer at the Blood Horse. Going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to go with Andrew Champagne, the toast of the town, who's going to take us home. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, a gentleman that I usually have on during the summer, uh, but I was going through my old notes, and I said, you know, I haven't had Andrew Champagne on for the longest time, and it doesn't have to be Saratoga to bring him on. Uh, He's an award-winning horse racing writer and handicapping, uh, still doing some work for the Daily Racing Forum. He's done work with TVG, HRTV, and the Saratogian. And uh, here's something. Get your pens out. It's pretty easy. AndrewChampagne.com, so you can check his uh, his website out. Andrew, how are you? It's been a while. So uh, it's great to be back. I'm doing really well. I'm a little chilly up here in Northern California this time of year. Not the one a lot of people are dealing with, but uh, pretty excited for a good uh, weekend of racing coming up. Some rated stakes races uh, coming up on Saturday, and um, I'm happy to be here. Happy you had me on. Uh, I've got to check. Did you go to Syracuse? No, I went to Ithaca, though. You're very close. Oh, yes, I am. Well, I grew up in the area, so I'm very familiar with, with both. Uh, but uh, I knew you were an upstate uh, New York uh, connection somewhere along the line. Uh, but I think you're originally from downstate, aren't you? Originally from the Hudson Valley, about an hour and a half, two hours north of New York City, hour and a half south of Saratoga. 
Oh, that's that's heaven's area right there, Andrew. And uh, so now, now you're out. I I, I should saved you for some of my uh, Santa Anita races, though I think we're going to try to look at two of them today. Uh, you're out on the West Coast. Are you getting to go to the races out there? I know it's a big state. Yeah, uh, I am in Concord, which is in the Bay Area. I'm about a half hour north of uh, Pleasanton, which has a fair meet, and that's a lot of fun. That grew on me. I went for the first time, not this past summer, but the summer before. It's a beautiful place. If you have never been to a fair meet, go to one. There's a bunch all across the country. Timonium in Maryland jumps out at me. There's a bunch. Go. It's a lot of fun. And if you're ever struggling and need to find the soul of yourself as a racing fan, as corny as that sounds, go to a fair track. It's racing in its purest form. I get to go to Golden Gate a lot, too. Uh, Matt Dinnerman, the track announcer, a very good friend of mine, one of the good guys in racing. Can't say enough good things about him. And any good thing that comes to him, he absolutely deserves. And Golden Gate's a pretty fun place, too, even though they built it facing the wrong way, John. If you go to Golden Gate, if you look out over the track, you see the 580 freeway. If you do a 180-degree turn, you see the San Francisco Bay. They built it backwards, <laughs> and I'm sure there's some architect out there that's kicking himself. Right. Well, hey, be careful in uh, moving your head. My producer's telling me you're you're kind of going in and out a little bit on your cell. I'll well, as still as I can. Well, you know, technically, Keeneland's looking the wrong way. It was built originally, I believe, just as a training track. And then, you know, so in in the morning, the lights behind your back shining on the horses. And now in the afternoons, the horses during the races are backlit. I know that as a, as a photographer down there for many years that you go away half blind at the end of the day because you're looking into the sun all day. But uh, nonetheless, that's another track that was uh, built backwards. And just a little historic note, uh, Turfway Park has a pond in the middle when it was Latonia, a, a, a lake, whatever you want to call it. And it, it's shaped in the state of Kentucky. And whoever excavated it built Kentucky upside down. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, I'll, uh, I'll be able to verify Keeneland a little bit because I'm making my first trip there in April. I'm really excited. Oh, are you? Well, good. Give me a call before you go. I'll, ha- I'll have to meet you. Well, you'll probably be up in the press box area. You're legit. So uh, I'll be kicking I- around for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. Well, you know, it's uh, at that time of the year, it's gearing up uh, towards uh, towards the Derby prep. Uh, we let's see. Um, all right, my producer says I think he put on a headset, so I don't know, whatever. But uh, you're sounding a little bit better. Um, I'm stable. I'm stock still. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Lock those feet in concrete. Um, so, how about? I, this time of year, I try to make sure I interview everybody as far as what were your takeaways from 2019? Um, 2019, to be honest, I think it's a year a lot of racing fans were very happy to kiss goodbye to. I mean, you look at any number of the stories that were out there, the, the less said about what happened at Santa Anita, the better, regardless of how that happened. It happened, and it was uh, it was a tough time for a lot of people. We had the story in the Kentucky Derby with maximum security and a disqualification that a lot of people are still talking about. We got to see some very good racing from a number of different divisions. It just isn't necessarily the divisions that we pay a lot of attention to. You look at bricks and mortar, you look at Matoli, very good racehorses. Either would be worthy horses of the year when those get announced in a couple of weeks. But there were definitely a lot of ups and a lot of downs in 2019. I wish for 2020 stability. Very good. Well, I, I think two great examples are the spotted careers 
of Omaha Beach and maximum security. As soon as you thought they were rolling on the right road, they'd hit a bump. Yeah, and when you look at Omaha Beach, it really is a tale of what might have been. It takes a very good horse to win grade one races at six furlongs, seven furlongs, and a mile and an eighth. And that's what Omaha Beach has done. Granted, the seven furlong and mile and eighth races were restricted to three-year-olds. That's a very talented racehorse. The good news is he's not done. The bad news is he will be done after the Pegasus, and that's a shame because those are the kind of horses that tend to get really, really good as four-year-olds. And maximum security as of now still headed over to the Saudi Cup, likely to the Dubai World Cup after that, and after that, largely undetermined. But uh, at any rate, hopefully we get to see him race in America as a four-year-old after his excursion to the Middle East. Well, I know that Rick Porter has been stating in the news today that, uh, you know, you know he, he loves Spendthrift. B. Wayne Hughes helped to get him through his cancer. He's dedicated to Spendthrift, but he just says, I'll never retire a big horse at three again. You know, there's just so many thrills that you get in your lifetime. Why not, when you have a, a horse with talent like that, uh, ex- extend it out? you know, over a period of time. So, yeah, it would have been nice for him to race as a four-year-old just to kind of put some of that spotted, you know, he'd either get a cough or he'd get a hoof bruise, which he got another one this week. Uh, Something was always changing his plans and kind of, you know, costing him uh, the ability to show himself at the best. So we'll find out. I mean, he's a gorgeous individual. I've watched him train. uh, I've watched him race. uh, But, uh He's off to the shed, and he is worth a lot. So uh, we'll find out. That three division, three-year-old division will be interesting, but I think Maximum Security is uh, going to get it. I hope someday we hear back from Country House. Uh, I really don't want another Giacomo on our hands. Um, but uh, there's been very little news coming out about uh, his return to the races. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. yeah. Hopefully he's healthy, and Bill Mott, obviously a first-class horseman that's going to do right by the horse at all times, but that's a horse that, I mean, even if you think the disqualification in the Kentucky Derby was a bad one, he crossed the wire second in the Kentucky Derby from post number 20. That's worth something, and I sincerely hope that there's more of him in the future. I, I do, too. I do, too. Well, of course, interesting that Coolmore jumped in and bought a half of them. So, you know, they do their homework before they invest that kind of money. So uh, I, I do hope he has a great campaign. And, of course, uh, we had another first headline of 2020 just about this was a surprise to a lot of people was the reduction in the Pegasus Cup, which has forced uh, maximum securities connections to uh, move him from here to going over to Saudi Arabia. I mean, he had plans on running for 12 million or in that ballpark and, and then to bring it down to uh, 3 million, uh, still a great purse, but you know, not as advertised. Money talks. That's for sure. And there's a lot of stuff going on within the Sharana group right now. I'm not going to, we could go, in depth on this for an entire length of a show about the stuff going on with Belinda Stronach, with Frank Stronach, with the stuff that's going on in the courts. And uh, yeah, the Pegasus going down to $3 million. It's certainly a far cry from what the race was originally designed to do a couple of years ago. And I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. Bold prediction is at some point within the next couple of years, we're going to be talking about the return of the Don Handicap. Uh Uh-huh. A great race. Maybe they'll just move that money over there and say, come and get it. 
Absolutely, and that's a race that a lot of people were sorry to see go, even with the Pegasus coming onto the schedule. And the Pegasus has seen a lot of highlights over the last couple of years, but I missed the Don, and I know I'm not alone in that. No, no, you are not. Well, uh, I, I bring you on here because anytime I've talked to you, you've come away with a couple winners, so uh, we may or may not get to the Gulfstream races, but since you're on the West Coast, I figure maybe you're keeping a little bit of a closer eye on uh, the, the races uh, out there right now at Santa Anita, and uh, sad to say, you got I, this kills me, I say it almost every week, that you've got these nice graded races with a decent... Uh, person you're only drawn you know anywhere five six seven horses and that's the case with the la synaga if i'm saying that correctly i guess you got to kind of uh, bone up on your spanish where you're living now i i took six years of spanish class in middle school and high school i i know my way around a little bit and there's a story from a little town in nevada that maybe i'll tell you at some point when uh when we meet in keeneland but uh the las sienegas is actually the way that you say it and john i gotta tell you uh, the five-horse field is certainly unfortunate. To me, what's more unfortunate, I miss the hill. I understand why they're not using it, but that hillside turf course, that's something special. And the fact that they're not using it for races like this, races like the AD in the fall, the Breeders' Cup turf sprint when they have it at Santa Anita, to me, that's a real shame. The Las Cienegas came up light on a field size, but there's plenty of intrigue in here. The morning line favorite is number three, Julie Olympica, She's oh. three for three. She comes in from Brazil, but you can't determine anything about her from her past performances. There's no running lines to determine what, what her style is. There's very little in the way of, you know, you see final times, but you don't necessarily know if the final times mean anything. She hasn't run since June. If you think she's legitimate, she's an easy single and move on kind of horse, but Watch the tote board on this one. Have to think that the clockers will know exactly what this horse is primed to do. And if there's early money in there, I think that's going to tell you something. If there isn't, though, I like a little bit of a price in this race. I'm going to take a look at number four and Eddie Surprise, who, if you toss the race two back, going a mile and a 16th on synthetic at Golden Gate, this is a mare that's hit the board in her last five starts including a win last time out at this route of ground. I like the fact that she can sit back and make one late run in a race where there seems to be a lot of early speed signed on. She's 8-1 on the morning line, and even if you don't think she's good enough to win, and her buyer speed figures are a little bit light compared to that of number one Storm the Hill, who seems like the other contender in here, I think if you're playing exotics, that horse is a must-use. I love it. Good, good angles for sure. Well, let's move on to the uh, the other race uh, again. I think there's only four graded stakes races between Gulfstream and Santa Anita on Saturday, and uh, we're talking about the La Canada. Uh, it's a Grade Three. It's the richest race of the weekend, uh, two hundred thousand dollars. And uh, right now, nobody's really knocking my socks off. It looks like it might be a pretty good betting race. The question that this race revolves around is, can Spiced Perfection, number seven in her program, go two turns? If she goes two turns effectively, she most likely wins, but I'm looking at her past performances, and the one two-turn race that's on her resume came in 2018 in the Malaire Stakes, which was against Calbreds. She was beaten in half length as the even-money favorite. Now, she's certainly progressed since then. She's a better horse. But that was against Calbreds. It was a restricted race. 
If she wanted two turns, I think she has to win there. With that in mind, I'm actually going to look at the horse door inside, and that's number six, Horologist, who's 4-1 to one and will most likely be the second or third choice in this race. I'm tossing the great two Raven run last time out. That race just seems too bad to be true. Last year, she won four in a row, including the grade three Monmouth Oaks. Her winning streak came to an end when she was third in the grade one Cotillion at Parks, and that was a pretty serious race when you consider that Street Band and Guarana ran one-two in there. Joe right. Bravo rides back, which I think is telling because he was aboard last time out for that flop in the Raven run. I think Horologist gets the route of ground that she wants. Richard Boltus has been training very well, and this one's workouts seem pretty live. I think Horologist would be a very good value play at or near that 4-1 to one morning line price. All right, we're talking with Andrew Champagne. I want to remind you, uh, I said it at the top of the interview, but uh, andrewchampagne.com. I'm not sure if the A and the C have to be made capital to get to it, but uh, it's it's pretty easy to remember. Well, uh, my producer hasn't chased me off the screen yet. Oh, no, he says I got three minutes. So let's see what we can do. We got uh, not the biggest fields in the world. How about the Marshawas River, grade three, 150,000 at Gulfstream on the grass? Not the biggest field, but I think there's some wagering opportunities in here because I am not sold on the likely favorite. That's number five, Andina Del Sur, who has run pretty well, just not at Gulfstream. She's 0 for 5 in five starts over this turf course, and with that in mind, I'm looking elsewhere. I really like the outside horse in here, number seven, Munchkin Money. She likes Gulfstream Park. She was third last time out in the My Charmer, which, for my money, has the best quality field that any of these runners exit. Munchkin Money can sit back a little bit, make a run. Tyler Gaffleone's been riding really well at Gulfstream. 7-2, to the price seems right. I'm going to take a little bit of a shot with this 7-year-old mare trained by Christophe Clement. All right. Well, uh, my back's against the wall with about a minute and a half left. Uh, let's see uh, where you go in the uh, tropical turf. I, finally, we got a field that's got got a few horses in it. Uh, I can't keep my eyes off a thread of blue. I love horses that excel over particular tracks. And this horse has never been defeated on the Gulfstream Park turf. Three for three. And those were nice races as collected close to 200000 over the Gulfstream Green. Yeah, a threat of blue is certainly legitimate and is certainly a horse that you need to consider. If there's anything to knock about this horse, it's the fact that it looks like there's a lot of speed in this race, and he seems maybe not in the lead time, but he can't be too far off the pace. Luis Saez is, A, going to have to clear a large part of the field, and, B, hope that they're not going too quickly early on. If they do go too fast early on, I think the one they need to hold off is number two, Murad, who is the third at Gulfstream Park. This one has run in a number of pretty big races, won the grade two American turf back in 2018 at Churchill Downs. Hasn't won in a while, but may very well get the setup to run big here under Paco Lopez. All right. Well, andrewchampagne.com, if you want to learn more about him, that's where you go. And, Andrew, good to hear from you. Have fun out there on the West Coast. And definitely, I'd love to hook up with you when you make it over to Keeneland. You bet. I'll certainly give you a call. Thanks very much for having me on. Let's make some money this weekend. 
I like it. Thank you, Andrew Champagne, uh, a man of many talents and a damn good handicapper. Uh, Well, uh, speaking of handicapping, uh, there's uh, more than just those four races over the weekend. There's races at every track. And, of course, the easy win forms at uh, winningponies.com can get you there. Done well on the West Coast this week. Santa Anita uh, just uh, four days ago. Super high five of 1,867 uh, out at Golden Gate. Uh, the next day, 1995 for $1 Super 5. And Golden Gate out there on the same day. A 50-cent pick five returned 5714 Those are the easy win forms. That's at winningponies.com. And for the listeners out there, I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for joining us. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.